welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast, season 12, episode 7. Good to be back with you, as always, live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. We've got a full house with us. Camille, welcome back, as always. Good to have you. We have uh, Ali is, was supposed to be back, but... Apparently, she is stuck in Italy, I believe, and her flight got delayed home from Italy, so she should be back with us next week. But we do have two experts with us, uh, familiar faces, Ben Green and Scott Rose. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you back. And we're going to have a friendly competition between Ben and Scott coming up in the show. Excited for that. So that will be fun. They are both uh, kind enough to to join and take on a little competition. So I'll walk through what we are going to be doing today. It's always roughly a one-hour show. We do a few segments, learning about Airtable, how we can use it in our businesses and personal life. We will start off talking about what's going on, keep you up to date in any news and, and topics and gossip of what's going on in the Airtable communities. And then we will introduce our challenge. We call this our Air Chefs. Scott Rose will be representing Team Make and Ben Green representing Team Zapier. And we will give them a challenge. They don't know the challenge yet, so they will uh, we'll tell it to them when we introduce it. And then they'll get busy going to work and building out an automation in those two platforms. And we'll see how they build it live and then see what they've built at the end of the show and compare and contrast. Maybe Camille will be our judge to determine a winner. <laughs> and then after that, we'll do a spotlight while Scott and Ben are working. We'll talk about our primary sponsor on air. And then Camille will go through an automation of um, uh, auto assigning tasks to collaborators. And then we will um, spotlight our community and then we'll come back to Scott and Ben on what they've built. So with that, we will start with our round the bases, see what uh, is going on in the Airtable world. Um, as far as Airtable announcements, um, lost my link. Um, 
me go real quick. I lost my link to the first one. Here we go. So there was only really one announcement um, from Airtable this week. It was about updates to the REST API. So for the developers out there, they added a new feature. Camille or Scott, I think Scott, you commented on this thread. You wanna explain what's going on here? Yeah, it, uh, it gives you the ability to, uh, to what they call upsert a record. And what that means is that if it finds the matching record based on the criteria that you specify, it will update that record uh, that records fields that you specify. However, if it can't find a matching uh, record, then it will create a new record. So it's either update an existing record or create a new record based on the criteria that you're searching for. Right, right. So it'll basically handle all in one. Before you had to query to see if it existed. If it did, then update, otherwise create. So this saves a query um to do it all in one so any unless thoughts, you use, I don't know. unless you use integromat of course scott you yes previously up upsert yeah so exactly yeah so now what's interesting it's funny you bring that up because there are some distinctions the Airtable version of upsert is is pretty basic um and make had built their own integromat now known as make uh they had built their own upsert command like a couple of years ago, and it's actually more powerful than the Airtable upsert because what it can do is it can upsert many, it can update many, many records at a time. Um, and there's some other distinctions as well. I think I might have covered them in that thread there, but um, the, I'm pretty the sure. Did you? I'm pretty sure you can update multiple at the same time with this. It seems like, based on what that Airtable employee said, that it, it will only update one. Oh, one, it will, it will one find one match. match. It will yeah. only find one match, and it yes. will update one. But I don't know what. But I guess if it finds multiple matches, I don't know how it responds. I, I think it would only maybe update the first one, whatever it considers to be the first one that it finds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this, so per per record that you're updating here, so this is matching on the name. So each of these will update where it finds one record that matches this name if, if there is a match, otherwise it'll create. So you can update multiple records, just not with the same entry here. So each one of these records that you pass will update one. Right, exactly. And so let's just say hypothetically in that example there, if you had two records that were labeled kickoff design work and in progress, mm -hmm. then um, Airtable is only going to update one of them with the upsert. Right, right. Yeah, so your, your fields to merge on should be considered a unique field. Right. Yeah, for it to work or, and that's why they give the option. You can actually match on multiple up to three, I believe. So you could use a combination of three different fields to, to find a match. Yeah. So that is cool. Um, we also in Ontario, we have this for the, the, the Zapier community um, with the Ontario plugin for, for Zapier you can do but in, in ours, I imagine, is the same as, as make is 
were essentially behind the scenes doing the lookup and then and then matching and then updating or creating depending on if a match was found. So basically what what they're able to do now with one step. So um yeah, so I'm familiar with this. I wrote our own version of it. Nice. So that is good. That uh, saves some time, saves some resources on their API for, uh, I wonder if Make will rewrite their version or not. There are some things that you can still do better by doing the double, like our matching algorithm is is more uh, robust. You can match on partial match or or other things. Mm-hmm. Um, to determine what's a match. So there are some still some benefits to maybe using these other approaches. Yeah, you really added a lot of advanced functionality long before everyone else was doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were Zapier, our Zapier plugin was this functionality was this upsert was like our first product that we released. Did you also, do you also have the ability to monitor for deleted records or that's not possible at all? Only right? we have like a pseudo delete, like you have to check a box saying, I want this record deleted. And then when you check that box, we will delete it for you and then pass on the information. So right. it's, a, it's a pseudo delete. <clears throat> But that's coming with their webhooks API. They do have the ability to get notified via webhook when a record is deleted. So that is coming hopefully by the end of the year. That's awesome. So that's out there. All right. Um, That was really the only big, you know, I think, I don't know. um, Oh, they did talk about, I didn't mention this. I didn't see it in the community, but there are emails going out of, Oh, wait, never mind. We've got that. Uh, we'll come back to another um, announcement. There was some things posted that people in the Built on Air community brought up that um, they didn't post about in the community. Um, but this seems to be a new, um, this is the the step-by-step guide to what, create a new view? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen this. Are, are you seeing this in your bases? I haven't seen it yet. I think this was for bases that either had a lot of um, fields or a lot of records. Um, and I, th- you know, the idea is to sort of make it load faster once it's in there. Yeah. Um, so you're before you, the original sort of functionality is you just create a, button or you click a button that says create a new view of whatever type and then the view is created with no configuration in there you give it a name you start adding filters etc this you click the button to create a new view this modal comes up and the view is not created until you hide certain fields and filter gotcha wow yeah i've noticed this uh when i go into existing views that have a lot of records and i have Notice myself getting very frustrated with the process of backing out of not trying to create filters because um, I try to click through the buttons really fast. But if I go to an existing view, a similar view pops up to this. It's like, hey, there's a lot of records in this view. Maybe you want to filter it. And I'm like, no, not right now, personally. Um, and then it like takes me 15 seconds to get their little pop-up to go away. Do we know what the threshold is for a lot of records? That one had twenty five thousand. I mean, yeah, this one has two thousand. 
Well, it has 2000 now. Oh, it's already right. been filtered. You know, right. it might have had, you know, who knows how many. Sometimes views don't ha need a filter at all. And it's just now hiding certain uh, fields. I, I think every view probably has certain uh, fields hidden or arranged a certain way or perhaps even grouped. But not every uh, view is going to need to be filtered. I think it's funny how it tells you how many cells are hidden. Like, I don't know if that's relevant to know the cells. <laughs> that's a com that's a multiplication of the columns times the rows. Right, right. That's, it is, yeah. That's, I think it probably is relevant for Airtable when they're thinking through this, and but yeah. they didn't think of us on this end. It's like, that's how many cells they have to load. So that's yeah. their kind of limitation with the, with the records in the table. So that's probably why they mm -hmm. think, oh, that'd be really useful to show them. Like, that's why it's, it's so slow. Yeah. 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 And they, I mean, I think, yeah, rows or column or fields hidden would probably be more relevant to the user. Well, you already see how many uh, fields are hidden 130. Right. That's true. That's true. And then, yeah. Jen just said in the comments, it's just another way to overwhelm new users. It's, it's, they're really going off, in my personal opinion in the wrong direction. Like if you create a, let's say you're a brand new Airtable user, you create a brand new email account you've never used with an Airtable account before and you sign up for Airtable, you can't even get to the creation of a new base without going through a little sample training that they force you to go through of creating what they want you to create with their own base. And now they're doing it with this when you create new views. I've seen it in other areas too. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but it's like, there's a lot of interference now <laughs> with the with just people getting work done i've noticed yeah 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 it, it is good it's kind of different user um i think if you are just getting started out there's benefits to going through that but it should be an easy way to opt out of that <clears throat> yeah jen mentions i created a video how to set up a new workspace because someone was overwhelmed a lot of friction yeah so good feedback for them yeah hopefully it doesn't become so overbearing there's too much going on yeah all right let's move on another one from the built on air community uh ben bailey mentions this this came out kind of competitive uh we'll see ben the the zapier expert so zapier is I don't, I wouldn't say they're going after Airtable, but there's definitely some overlap um, with this where you could potentially just use Zapier tables for simple use cases to store your data, especially if you're already in the Zapier world. Um, I don't know if anybody's looked more into this. I didn't look into it at all, but I saw that this came out around the same time this past weekend i met gareth prenovos for the first time and i was just checking my phone and i was like oh my god zapier has its own tables now and like everyone around it was just a bunch of air table nerds being like another one yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny yeah <laughs> yeah there's a lot of them i saw yeah i mean job form has a tables i don't i don't think it's getting much traction but we'll see i mean I don't think, I don't know, Ben, you're big Zapier. Is this something you see using a lot? Not, not personally, no. 
Yeah. To me, Jotform, it made sense to create their own version because they're already storing a bunch of data because they are a form collector. And okay, I give you another way to display and connect your data. That makes sense. Zapier is, they do what they, they're, they're like the name or one of the names in connecting all of these different apps together and not a name at all, in my opinion, in collecting data per se. It's about sending data from one place to another. And this just seems like, you know, fine, I'll make, I'll make my own is how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, Jen mentioned she's used uh, Jotform and says it's terrible, loads half the time. <clears throat> the oh, other thing about Zapier was they also introduced a full-on UI visual, basically like an interface designer. So they're definitely going more front-end, trying to be the full platform. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Jen also mentions that Zapier already had data stores, uh, and this is sort of just putting like an interface on top of data stores mm. mm-hmm. and make also has data stores, but it's, you know, it's behind the scenes. You can yeah. see it, but it's sort of like, it's not a beautiful user interface. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting Zapier, I think with their interface designer and these tables, like, you know, they'll have the automation, the front end, the data storage. So they're trying to, you know, be an alternative approach to, to Airtable. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I saw there was a TechCrunch article. I didn't list it here, but the um, no, the the open source version, um, no loco, mm-hmm. no loco.io uh, raised like $10 million and, and trying to be the open source version of Airtable. Oh. Um so lots of different approaches to take. It's getting heated. People are really paying attention to Airtable's growing success. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and we'll see with the new connected app um, platform, if that becomes kind of the, uh, it'll be interesting. I mentioned this when they came out with it, if that becomes sort of the name um, with, uh, you know, how things how to describe this mark these markets amir says with a name like no loco i can never take it seriously no loco in spanish means like not crazy <laughs> oh that's so funny loco means crazy right so no right i think people also underestimate that Airtable chose the letter a to start their name so they're always at the top of every alphabetical list that was yeah. why Steve Jobs chose Apple. It put him ahead of Atari in the phone book. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that matters as much without phone books. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's sort of like when you're scrolling through like Zapier's list of supported yeah, apps. Yeah, that's like, true. You know, it'll always appear on everybody's first page of apps. Zapier will be last. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they have the underscore now. <laughs> yeah, so... Interesting. We'll definitely keep an eye on alternative platforms. Um, okay, moving on. Um, oh, yeah, this was uh, brought up by Kavan um, and then Hannah posted. So this was what I was thinking of. Uh, the attachment changes are happening November 2nd, 8th, November 8th, but now you can opt out of them. So this was 
the um, they're moving to where expiring URLs for your attachments um, is coming as the default. And if you don't want that, um, if you were using them, I know Camille, you you were using them for your website, and I think you already came up with a workaround. You should have waited. You should have procrastinated. No, nope, because then it never would have gotten done. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So good things to those who waited. So now you can just opt out and keep your unexpiring uh, URLs, at least until uh, February of next year. And so maybe I don't know if they'll if they'll continue to allow you to opt out or if they will force at that point, but they are giving a window to to not change the behavior. So that's good. <clears throat> Scott says, smart of them in the comments there. Yeah. All right, one more from the Built-On Air community. Um, so this was just uh, an article from Fast Company talking about the connected apps and, and kind of the, the roadmap. Um, and Jan Databaser says, uh, that mean, or quoted from there, that it means Airtable and its competitors will need to be even more focused on where they can differentiate themselves something Howie, the CEO, seems to acknowledge in describing the company increased focus on larger companies. And so quoting Howie says, I've, I think we have tried to be everything to everyone from a product roadmap standpoint. It's really hard to support both the tiny small business use cases while also trying to serve these larger customers. We are building out multi-department workflows. This is the first time where we're really acknowledging hey, we have to go all in on this North Star building connected apps for the enterprise. So a little bit of a tip of the hat of where Airtable is headed. Um, thoughts? Sounds about right. I'm not 100% sure I understand what he's saying. It's, to me, it sounds like a lot of marketing speak because aren't they already creating, aren't we all creating connected apps for, for businesses already? Well, I think they're well, going larger upstream and... Not yeah. trying to solve the small business use case. He, he doesn't say for business. He says for the enterprise. For the enterprise. But what does that, well, how does that differ from where we are now? I mean, I'm, what I'm hoping is maybe more record limits, maybe better speed, maybe more. Um, uh, there was the other big one, automation runs. Maybe is I, that what they're he's thinking a little bit more for the enterprise use cases? Like some of the stuff that's on the roadmap is like what they labeled as verified data. And connected apps is multiple bases, multiple interfaces working together with shared sets of data. So for enterprises having multiple workspaces, having like one source of truth, one source of verified data for certain things, like maybe it's a list of customers or like different employees, uh, different tables that are verified. I think that's where they're kind of going with this. And just the idea of needing to connect these different departments uh, with kind of sources of truth. Yeah. I Ironically, I think it's by going on an enterprise level as your focus. It's um, like the, the first part of that quote was like, we can't be everything to everybody, but by going to enterprise, it's sort of acknowledging that you're now ideal user someone at the enterprise level is going to have even more stuff stored in Airtable because a small business might only need Airtable to manage their inventory when they're like in the warehouse or something. 
but mm-hmm. Netflix and Disney and whoever else is on their enterprise list, they're going to have people from their marketing team and they're going to have people from their warehouse and they're going to have, they're going to have so many departments that are all going to have a little piece that could be done in Airtable and all of that needs to speak to each other. And that's kind of feeding into the whole connected apps portion. It becomes more important that that data be accessible from the various different pieces of Airtable that one company is stringing together. I also think that this is going to have impact on pricing model. I think, you know, maybe freemium goes away at some point, um, which would be sad. I think, you know, I imagine all of us on this call and listening use Airtable in our personal lives to do something and that use case might go away, um, which would be unfortunate. But, you know, that's where it's like, like, I don't, I'm not familiar with smart sheets, because they don't really have a freemium tier that I would use for personal stuff, you know, but Google sheets. And so like, I hope that they don't lose sight of the advantages of having personal use of Airtable and how that really translates to a marketing channel for them to get people familiar with it. Uh, That's my fear of moving too much to the enterprise and making it more difficult for people to engage with it. Agreed. I agree as well. Uh, question about the verified data. Is that, what do they mean by, I read the article on the verified data. I didn't understand. Is that the same thing as single source of truth or is I, it a whole new feature? I think, and I could be wrong, but my interpretation is when you have something like sync and two-way syncing, you know, anybody who has access to edit can go in and change status from in progress to done. And that's just data. I think when they say verified data, there's one table or base that's being synced to one or more other places. And you have a more, there's some sort of control that's going to go in there that says only certain people or something can edit that data to update that record. So it's it's gone through... Right. Someone's looked at it and said, yep, that is the most accurate up-to-date something or other. Because once you add in two-way syncing, now it's, you know, data passing back and forth, which is great. However, how do you know whoever just updated it last has the right, you know, knowledge to do so? I don't know. That's very interesting. Yeah, maybe like one or two people, whoever you specify, like they can check a check mark and then it says verified, like they're a manager or something. And you know mm-hmm. that. They were the last eyes on it. They approved that this is the accurate data. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, my guess is it would kind of be like you would be able to create a field type of like verified data that almost is like a, a link record, but the table, it doesn't show up in your base. The table is kind of more behind the scenes managed by an admin, you know, in, in like the sidebar tools. Um, and that, and it's globally available across multiple bases and then, but then you interact with it like a dropdown field or a, or a linked record field, but you don't have to then do a sync table to like get that table into the base to use. Yeah. I think that's probably right, Dan. I mean, or at least that would be the most convenient instead of having yet another table that is visible up at the top. It's just data that gets pulled in. Because I don't, I don't want to have a user's table all the time. So right. I just want to use like 
a user field or formerly right. known as collaborator field. And that'd be easier yeah. than having yet another table in your base. Yep. yep. Ideally, I don't know how they would do it because not many apps are good at doing it, but like the idea of having uh, publishing data and then making an edit to it and that edit being a draft. So if you have a long text field and this is the description of the blog post or whatever, and then I have an author and I have an editor, author sends it off uh, to the editor to review and make edits, but there's, I want to be able to see, you know, the revisions more closely aligned, not looking at record history. I want like a better log of how data is being changed as it's getting passed from hand to hand. And I don't know how or when or if or ever they're going to figure something like that out. But verified data to me sounds like that is a problem they run into eventually. Yeah. So yeah, anyways, it, it definitely will be interesting to see um, as they move upstream and and uh, hopefully they they don't forget their roots of how they got there. <clears throat> I totally yeah. agree. Then we'd, then we'd have to start using C table and fire table and all yeah. the other <laughs> and, and nations of the avatar universe that yeah. we talking about a few months yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, hopefully these features will trickle down to pro and they won't forget about the individuals in the small business. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Moving on. Uh, a couple of tweets. Um, this one. I felt bad for Kimber, but did chuckle a little bit. Um, so Kimber Streams, who I believe is an editor, uh, senior staff writer for a magazine, Wirecutter, uh, Blue Check, says, banned from Airtable for making a base of all the weapons, armor, spells, and Elden Ring. Did they, ha did they have enough records? Seems like a lot. Well, I'm assuming because it was like weapons, like they got banned. Mm. I don't know what Airtable's terms of service is around, around, I don't know what, that, that was my guess is maybe this, the, I'm not an Elden Ring fan, so I don't know if. This is interesting from a conversation I had with Kuvan about someone else who they shared their base with Airtable and were doing illegal activities within their base. Like how did Kimber here, how did she, how did Airtable find out would be my question. How did they find out that she's doing right. illegal activity with her base? Like, is it just via a shared form that's out there? Happens to have a bunch of guns on it in a linked record? Or what is the reason? Right. Or they're being facetious. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, there might be more to the story. Yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, that, I remember seeing that. I think that was on your Facebook community of somebody uh, getting banned after they asked Airtable for help with their base. And yeah. they didn't feel like, I think in their country, it wasn't illegal. They were in a different country. and But maybe in the US, it, it was more uh, gray area. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to, to hear what Airtable will, will ban people for or not. Uh, one more. Okay, so this is um, just talking about, I don't think they're complaining, but it says, uh, Tiago says, we spend $10,000 a year on Airtable Enterprise. It is the second brain of the business, piping in dozens of data sources into a single comprehensive view. 
of our customers across all platforms. So I don't think they, he's complaining. I think he's just stating we spend a lot of money on this, but it, it basically runs their business and gives a screenshot of all the different uh, bases they have. <clears throat> I just want to know how many users that is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can. It doesn't show. Usually nope. it looks like a minimum of money users. So it makes me want to say they just needed more record limits. For to get enterprise, yeah, or maybe single sign-on or something. Um, yeah, maybe they just wanted enterprise level, but this kind of speaks to that use case of the connected apps, you know, and and um, but it, it is interesting. Most, I think, as they move upstream, I also heard I think an Airtable uh, person said like the average number of bases per account is actually not that big. Most people, most most companies are in one or two bases. That's what um, I kind of figured. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting knowing that, although that doesn't seem to ring true with most of the clients that we work with. Usually there's, you know, they have a lot of bases. Maybe they don't use all of them, but they definitely are, are trying out different ideas with bases. Mm -hmm. So... Anyways, interesting. Uh, just to give you a sense of, because I don't think I actually I went to uh, his website. Um, I, I I'd be curious. I, I've never heard of this um, building second brain, but um, I it sounds like they use Airtable as kind of the, this framework for um, how to organize your your digital life and whatnot. So I think um, it's first like a use like a notion pioneer so he built his second brain and notion first just uh -huh. the idea of relational data in general and kind of putting your whole every all of your thoughts and all of your life into something that can be searched through mm -hmm. and related to and then i think maybe then he went to rome like notion rome and he uses Airtable. Airtable, i think specifically for structured data Mm -hmm. uh, but the idea of that, that second brain thing, I don't think really fits with structured data in Airtable. Gotcha. So he's still big on Notion. Yeah, somebody asked him, but he didn't answer if he's still into Notion. So anyways, yeah, that uh, was worth pointing out. So that kind of wraps up. Any other news or highlights, uh, recent news? We, we already went over the big announcements from Airtable uh, last week or two weeks ago. Jen says it's a, like a deep wiki for you, referring to that. So oh, if no other announcements. I think the other thing is they're I'm rolling ahead. out, people are commenting on they're rolling out a new uh, homepage. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Have you guys seen that on your side? I haven't seen it yet, but it was uh, mentioned as part of the interface mass update last week. Mm. But I think it's enterprise like, only, right? I think it starts at enterprise and it filters its way down. I think it eventually is going to be the same homepage for everyone, but most people, I think, right now don't have it. Jen says they've used it. The initial feedback I've heard is that it's not great from a user standpoint like i think it looks nicer but functionality was yeah we were in on an early sneak preview of it and we gave them 
a lot of good feedback, but I don't think they took the feedback to heart yet, at least yet. Yeah. Yeah. So true. All right. Moving on. You guys ready? Scott, Ben? Gotta warm up my fingers. All right. Okay. So for this challenge, I shared with them a base. I'll um, go through it here. And it's an invoice base. And the challenge is, is to use Make or Zapier to generate an invoice. I'd like to see line items in the invoice and generate a PDF of that invoice, save the PDF back to Airtable, and then send an email of the PDF uh, to yourself or to me. Um, so wow. invoice with line items, PDF, email. Um, I will give a hint. I don't think this base has line items, so you might have to add line <laughs> items to the base. <laughs> this seems unfair. <laughs> it's not hard. You can add it, it to have line, items. line items. Interesting. Interesting. I noticed that, that after that. I it sent does, you this It does base. not have line items. <laughs> but you hmm. can add it to the base. You can add a table. So they are going to... Any questions? Is there a time limit on this? Like five minutes? No, you've got, you'll have more. So we're going to do a couple segments while you're working on it. We'll check in with you live to see like what you're working on. Um, mm. So I'll give you a couple minutes. We'll check in with each of you live to show what you are doing. And then, and then uh, we're going to do another segment. So you'll probably have a good 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Should we stop our cameras while we're doing this? Um, you Dude. can, yeah. <laughs> to you if you want to share yeah. your screen when we come to you um so we'll see what you're working on so uh um, okay. it's tricky and jen, tricky gives, jen gives a hint build the data structure then automate ah <laughs> uh, thank you jen oh and jen wants to see your face while you're building wants to uh, see your visual reaction uh, okay jen with the software development life cycle i love it <laughs> no camera off all right. Okay. So while Ben and Scott do that, remember your three tasks, line items, PDF, and email. Those are the, the, the things you got to hit. Okay. While they are doing that, we will move on. Uh, we'll talk about OnToAir, our primary sponsor. OnToAir is an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that allow any business that is dependent on Airtable to take the next step in their Airtable usage as a business. And we will continue to um, focus on our forms product. We are in an active beta right now. We have quite a few customers um, using Airtable. We have some that are using it in production, so it's getting closer. It's not quite ready to release to the general public um, as we work out a few kinks but it is definitely getting usage and um, people, the, the initial feedback has been very positive. So very excited to see people um, using it. I thought I would show, um, Jen says she's working on some now. So she's one of our beta users, appreciate that. Um, and so I thought I would showcase how you can use it for a parent-child relationship. So um, we have this form here that is cars, so think of your standard cars, you have makes and you have models. Um, I'm gonna refresh this so we start new. And um, this is our preview window. 
So our make is a link to a make um, table. And so if you notice here, our model, you can't find any model. So this is dependent on the make of the car. And so this, this button is disabled until you select some makes um, because we've set it up to be dependent. So once you have um, some makes, and this is kind of a small window, let me go full screen. Once you have some um, makes that you want to pick, then now we have that. Now this button becomes enabled to allow you to select some models. And so these are models, <clears throat> excuse me, across both of those makes. So we have our Ford and our um, Chevy models, and you can display them in there. So you see, so so the this list only shows models from the makes that you selected. Um, and so you can limit this to only be one if you only want one make and then multiple models. So just quickly how that works, if we look at our model, which is our child um, field, we set up um, some filters on our lookup. So we're basically saying, um, so we, we if we wanted, we could filter it by a view, but we're saying we want it dependent on another field. And so we're picking the field that will be filtered um, from our selection. So that's our make field in our linked table. And then when we click on this, we, we pick the field that from our form that we use to filter um, those records. So the make name is, is the um, field in the form. And then we're using contained within, which is how it works with um, linked relationships. And so actually, sorry, here's the form, the make, and then the make name is that matching field in, um, in the linked record that, that we're using to map it. So once that mapping is in place, um, then, then it will limit it based off of your selections here. And it will require that field um, to be selected. So your make field has to be selected. We could also set up some URL filters where you could pass in filters in the URL parameters that would limit what is available to select as well. So lots of functionality on how you filter out your selections, either based off of other fields or um, URL parameters. So I thought I would showcase, so that's a very common use case of parent-child. Um, there's another way you could take that um, kind of to the next level. A common use case is just showing a listing of records. And with that functionality of, um, of, um, of filtering um, what displays in a table, in a linked record table, what we're doing here is this is actually on a create new record. But what we're doing is we're using our pre-fills and we're actually specifying a state that we want to pre-fill our list of cities. So this is a, a base that has a table for cities and a table for states and the cities are linked to a state. And so what we're doing here is we're pre-filling the um, table listing, the link table listing with cities where the state is Texas. And so that you see here will generate a table listing um, of cities within Texas. So even though our city table had uh, multiple listings from other states, 
it's only showing the ones and you could use this just as a standard listing table um, and this button works to send them to a different it could send them to another form or this one sends them to a wiki page um, for that city and then the other thing that we did here is we actually turned off the submission button so that this actually doesn't work as a form even though it's a form we remove the submission button so it's just treated as a as a just a listing page or, or a landing page that doesn't have a submit button so a way to just list records within a view uh, or within a, within a table so long as they are linked to another table so you have to think about it a little bit reverse in the future we will have on the roadmap the ability to just do this without needing a linked um, table but for now it does require having having a linked relationship to another table that you can use as your starting table so just gives you a sense of some of the ways that um, you can use onto our forms to build out some pretty advanced form functionality or listing page functionality um, within your use cases and access your data outside of Airtable. So with that, let's do a check-in. Ben or Scott, who wants to show us what you're working on? Either of you want to go first? Ah. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Scott. I could, sure, Ben, you want to, yeah, I could show some yeah. stuff. You don't need to be done. Just let us, give us a glimpse into what you're thinking. All right. So if you want to share your screen. screen. So because of the time limit, um, wait, how do I share right. Present, okay. Um, okay. Because of the time limit, I'm trying to find built tools that can easily create PDFs. Uh, and so I was going to use Google Sheets to create an invoice and then save it as a PDF. Normally I might use like an actual, oops. Uh, normally I might use, oh, okay. Oh wait, uh, should I share my screen again? No, 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 you're good. We, we see it, we see it. Oh, okay, cool. So normally I'd probably use like a service like DocuPilot, Document, you know, any of the services that are really designed to create like beautiful invoices and create PDFs. But because we're on a limited time, I was gonna do it in Google Sheets and then just save it out as a PDF. Um, and then to trigger the whole automation, normally I would actually write a little JavaScript. Um, it's, I only know this much JavaScript and it's, it, it's to actually enable uh, triggering an automation in the background so you don't actually have to see anything change. But for right now, because of the time constraints, I just created a button here that would just trigger the webhook in make, uh, but it does open up this other window that says accepted. Um, so that's what I'm working on. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Ben. Okay. So, so I am as stuck a little bit trying to get the PDF of the document cause I am work, working with the URL currently. Um, but part of using Zapier effectively is knowing when to use Zapier and when to not use Zapier. And if you're in Airtable, knowing what to do with Airtable, what not to do with Airtable. So Airtable has 100% of the functionality required by this con, uh, this uh, challenge inside of it. So I'll probably leave the last step for Zapier to do uh, because Airtable does it better and easier to generate the requirements needed by Dan. So oh. in mine, I have a checkbox <laughs> with Airtable or with the create right here. And then it goes and finds the line items where the it says an error right here. Don't know why it works fine. 
Um, and then it goes and creates a Google Doc with a grid of the records or what you would call line items. Uh, it updates, and this is what I'm working with, the URLs. I tried updating it with just straight into an attachment field. And Airtable could actually just send this email out once I have the attachment. Um, but yeah, so far, it's not super pretty yet. I'll worry about the design kind of like uh, in one of those uh, baking championships. They wait yep. till the last minute to do the design. Minute. Yeah, the you have to you have to make your ice cream right now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jen so says she wants it pretty. So oh, that's that's, the last that's clever, Ben. Ben, that that's a loophole. Isn't, it, isn't that a that's a loophole? <laughs> well, you know what you could do, you could use use Airtable to create the Google Doc, and then use Zapier to some of the problems with Airtable's automation is that you can't have the folder in which the Google Doc is created be dynamic. So you mm -hmm. have to specify, create any and all, you know, Google Docs from this automation in this folder. You can't do it by put it in this project folder or this project folder. But in Zapier, what you could probably do is say, all right, now take this file once it's been made and move it to the right folder. Maybe. I don't know. I made yeah. that up. I could be yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spoil everything. There is one part that I think I will show in Zapier and why I might do it in Zapier instead of Airtable regarding the email portion of it, but uh, I'll leave that for the end. Okay. Uh, I'll stop talking. Very good. Thank you. We will uh, look forward to seeing the final product and see how it goes. We'll see if the judges will will uh, dock Ben for his uh, loophole there. <laughs> we shall see. All right, we'll move on while they continue working. Camille is going to show us some automations within Airtable. Camille, let me share your screen. There you go. Okay, so this one is, I don't even know how to describe it. Normally when I'm um, sort of debuting a use case that someone's asked of me, it's normally it's come through on the community forums and it's just complicated enough where I feel like it, a video format is best fit. This was actually someone was using my extension Junction Assistant and had a very particular problem they were running into where the app sort of worked for them and what they wanted to do. Junction Assistant allows you to sort of bulk create uh, records that are linked to one or more other records. But what they also had, they had a linked field relationship to a people table or assignee table or something like that. And what was happening was I have in this demo base an option for as soon as it loads myself and test user. The uh, problem they were running into is that they would be bulk creating records and then Camille would be assigning test user as the person. And um, my customer who is using the uh, extension actually said, I don't want them to be able to select anyone other than themselves. Well, Junction Assistant isn't really designed to have that sort of limitation on there. So to just walk through what would be happening is you would be going through, you'd be selecting um, a bunch of records that you want to link. Um, uh, I would be creating a new uh, set of junction records. In that case, that would be 
tasks linking all to the project main street. And I also want to link to, I'm going to select the wrong person test user, assuming my extension runs without issue. Let's hope it does. And it did. So, or did it? Ooh. Okay, now it did. So all of my records have been created and um, I actually did it twice because I, I double clicked. That was my bad. Um, I had the automation turned on, so I'm not sure if anyone saw what happened, but I had my extension come in and create the record linked to person, but I have an automation that's set up to go in and correct uh, any linking that had been misplaced. So if I go and look at my created by field, um, it's going to say all of these were made by me. Um, Airtable recognizes the user who is using any extension and still attributes uh, that to the created by field. And my automation is pretty simple. It's saying when a record is created, just copy the created by name into the person field, and it will find a record in the people table that matches the assignee. So you don't actually need this uh, second field in here. I just did that for demonstration purposes. If you have your name spelt differently as a record versus how Airtable sees your account, this isn't going to work. It's going to create a different, slightly uh, spelled differently record in this table. But that sort of gets at the idea. So this was sort of a long way to explain how to get that one person's very specific use case in order to still use uh, my extension the way it was sort of designed. Gotcha. Yeah, that's always tricky working with um, collaborators and or users and uh, also, yeah, because there's times when you want them in a table and this is useful. Yeah, and in times like when you want it in a table, you want to add extra info, like right. what their role is, and then use that. If you just need somebody's name and email, then a user field is great. But if you need something more than that, if you want to attach even just a phone number, you would need it to be in its its own table. Yeah, this is where verified data, I wonder if the user table will be like a predefined verified data source. Yeah, because you want, you, that's common in so yeah. many use cases. Uh, people being a special type of data it, it yeah. relating to the users. And yeah. uh, I wonder if they'll uh, tackle that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty common for us, especially like if we're doing slack integration and want to dm like it's common for us to store like the slack id for each user so that would be really useful if they pull that collaborate out and then you don't have to create a table or your own you just have that would also incentivize people to use collaborators instead of just creating a user table themselves. yeah so. Very cool. Thank you, Camille, for showing that. And then also uh, your link junction, find it in the marketplace. What's the name of it? Junction Assistant. Junction Assistant. It is sometimes useful and sometimes yep. not. 
Yep. Yep. But now it can definitely come in handy. <clears throat> All right. Um, I'll do one more stall before uh, we jump to Scott and Ben. But just a quick shout out to our Built on Air community. We have amazing people like those on this call and many others um, in the community, very helpful, helping each other out, learning how to use Airtable and um, growing your business and improving in your own business operations. We would love to have you join. If you're not already in, please check us out at builtonair.com slash join. We'll get you into the free Slack community and sign up for our weekly newsletter. So with that, see, Ben, Scott, are we done? Mm. Close enough. Enough to talk about. I'll <laughs> hand the victory to Ben. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still building. <laughs> still building. Walk us through it. Or Ben, we'll come to you first. Okay. We did, we did uh, Scott last time. All sweet. right, you're up, uh, Ben. I may or may not still be having a little bit of fun with the the uh, document as a PDF specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more my, I can't remember exactly how to get it. I was trying to find, so Dan sent this really helpful document plug for the built on air community. Uh, it was like a web page with like all the ways you can modify a Google Docs URL to get it to export as different things. And I couldn't find that. So mm -hmm. I was still working through the, basically just getting it to be a PDF. Um, and I was testing it in Zapier to see what their URL looked like because it usually works through that. Right. Um, one well, one idea I had is um, in you know your Google Doc create is just doing that in Zapier because Zapier with their Google Doc integration has that similar functionality, and then it returns the PDF version of the Google Doc. Yeah. So the only thing that I typically do not do with Google Docs and Zapier is insert a, a grid of mm. records. Um, I don't even know if it's possible. I haven't tried to do it. I wouldn't also typically do this kind of system from Airtable. Typically, the, most of my customers use something like Stripe where it would have a PDF mm. or yeah. they don't. This isn't like a typical thing I would do, but it's a fun challenge, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true. You would have to you it does support HTML. I think you can you can save HTML. So if you did like a roll up of your HTML of your line items, you could then insert those into the Google Doc through Zapier. What I've done with line items before is concatenated a few different things and just had an array join with a line yeah. break. Yeah. and having those on different lines that way. It doesn't look really like a grid, but it works for things like uh, activity itineraries or travel itineraries. Right. Um, where it, like I can work with the spacing on times and then have six spaces and then it's the, what is happening at that time on an itinerary. But yeah. with this, I got it, it creates a document. It updates with a link that I was trying to figure out how to make it uh, export as a PDF trying to make that link then and i don't maybe it's because um, my next test was going to see if i make that field a url if that would make it any different so uh, you, you can directly do i don't know the exact syntax but you can in an attachment field just go directly to whatever 
the Google Docs URL is slash export whatever, whatever. I don't know the exact syntax. So if you do get it wrong, the attachment will just be nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what the attachment in Airtable is nothing. Mm -hmm. The Google Doc is a Google Doc. Right. Um, so that's the only piece where I kind of was getting stuck. Um, yeah. Gotcha. And then I had started on a view. So one thing, a lot of times, a lot of my clients that I work with, they don't necessarily want to send that email right away to a customer. A lot of times they want to review it just because they don't necessarily always trust an automation. Uh, they're slowly building that trust. So rather than use Airtable to just send an email, which is your only option, a lot of times what I would use is Zapier to create a draft of the email instead of actually send that email. So that's what I was going to use Zapier for specifically is creating a draft in my email with the PDF attached. And the PDF is the only thing I couldn't really get to work out there. That's a good idea. I've, I haven't used that trick. I like that. <clears throat> and it just shows up in your draft folder. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I can go test this. But yeah, I use the drafts a lot to get people. Um, I think that's what I used. Yeah, that's what you had, yeah. Um, but yeah, it just shows up. I don't know what those are going to show up here, so. Yeah, there's the file there that has the export. Um, but I, I was there. Uh, let me see if I can. Oh, OK. I just don't want it to show all the emails in the inbox. Yeah. One second. Jen mentions it's it's HTML in Google Docs to create. <clears throat> so this was the final product, just very basic, nothing really spectacular in the email. And then this is what it, it downloaded something here. If I open that, it is not what I was looking for. So that is a PDF. It just doesn't have the right content type. Uh -huh. So I got a PDF. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I think you're, yeah, it's missing the extension or something. Let me go really quick and yeah. see if I, I find him. Um, but yeah, so so that's really the key. Pretty much everything I do is like, what can Airtable do really well? And then what can Zapier do really well? It's not always, like in this case, uh, I could probably do everything in a tool that the customer doesn't have to pay for an additional tool with, like, Integrum or make. So I would try to do it all in Airtable. Uh, but I, I don't know how I'd try to do this if it. Uh, so, in a different scenario, what I would have done is I would have used Pandadocs if I had like a tool of choice to connect with Zapier, which is where I see Zapier really like being magical, you could say. Mm -hmm. uh, I would connect this invoice record with Pandadocs where you can feed in arrays of line items and it will create a whole pricing table with uh, the like subtotal, total cost. And it also gives you an export as PDF option yeah. from that. And PandaDocs is just incredible with working with PDFs if if the Google Doc that I created is not sufficient for the client. Yeah. All right, very cool. Thank you, Ben. Great to get insight into there. Uh, Scott, you wanna share your screen? Sure. I do not have a finished product. <laughs> That's all right. However, and I did not do do any of this stuff in Airtable, but Ben, I totally agree with Ben's um, philosophy, which is 
we always try to, you know, in general, I think it's a good idea to try to stick in Airtable when you can, and then use the external tools when you've gone beyond Airtable's capabilities. Mm -hmm. it's easier, simpler, it's already built in, you know, no, no need to go elsewhere. So basically what I was working on building here was uh, a scenario in Make where what happens is when you start here in uh, Airtable, uh, the person would click on this button called uh, Create Invoice. And when they do that, it would then trigger this. Here, let me run this right here. You'll see it work. When I click on Create Invoice here, uh, it will actually trigger the scenario. Oh, it already did it so quickly uh, that we missed it. But basically, it starts the scenario. It then gets the invoice record, which is from this table. It gets the invoice record that the person was clicking on. And then it creates a brand new spreadsheet in Google Sheets. And then it goes down this router path here. Over here, it'll search for all the line items that are associated with that invoice. So it's pulling from this table. I renamed this table hours because that's actually what the columns were called already. Um, so it will actually find all five of these line items. And then it'll keep adding rows onto the Google Sheets document that it just created here. Um, so if I go into my uh, Google Sheets here, now there's no prettiness here yet. There's nothing pretty about this yet, but you can see that it created the invoice and it started creating the rows here. So that's about as far as I got. Um, what you can do also is um, update individual cells, which is what I was working on here, where you can have like the invoice number, you know, just not anything that repeats from row to row to row, but just like an individual invoice number or a client name and address, something like that. Um, one other cool thing that you could do in Make uh, for when I got to the email part of it is Make has this very cool uh, tool that's, uh, where do they have this? Here it is, uh, called the Text Aggregator. They actually have a ton of different tools uh, and they're spread out throughout these buttons here. Uh, but the text aggregator is very, very cool because what it does is it enables you to loop through records in Airtable and combine them all together in any way that you may want. Uh, for example, you may want to uh, separate them by uh, a new row. So putting a carriage return in between each record, or you could put a tab in between each one, or you could put whatever you want. So what you can do is you can actually take a bunch of records and separate them with HTML code. So you could put like a line break, for example, in between every single line item. And then what you end up with is you end up with a block of text uh, that is HTML. And then you could just take that body and just put it right into, uh, you take that text and put it right into the body of an email message. And that's how you get line items in an email message simply from using this one tool called the, the text aggregator. Very similar to what Ben was showing with the insert a grid, but you're, oh, I should stop sharing my screen. Um, but you're actually uh, creating your own grid that you're inserting essentially. You could have you used that to generate the HTML to insert into a Google doc for the I, PDF. I was thinking of that also, and that would have been the easier way to go because I would have only needed that one thing. Uh, but once I started going down that path of the Google, 
the Chiefs, <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to keep going down this path. But but you are correct. That was my uh, initial thought. You could use that. I could have used that text aggregator to spit out a Google Doc and spit out an email, and it would have been extremely simple. It would have been just those little bubbles, and that's it. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll do a redo in the future. Now you have a better grasp of it. So that's cool. Awesome to show. I will say I, I'm definitely more have used Zapier more than Make, but as far as a visual designer, Make wins hands down from their visual UI of, of the different steps. I definitely yeah. give the, the win to their... Um, most people probably say make is more advanced is more but it's probably a steeper learning curve um than zapier zapier is probably a little bit easier to to engage with and um from that perspective so those are probably the big trade-offs both of them are are you know very useful tools used you know widely throughout the the software world so to get exposure to both if you haven't been exposed to one or the other. Yeah. What I find myself doing whenever I do build things in Zapier is similar to like the visual editor in Integromat is I do all my kind of like documentation is what I would kind of describe it as, but mapping out the database schema in Miro and then visually mapping out every different automation that I would want to do in Miro because Zapier doesn't have that visual. I also like to plan it before I actually end up building it. So mm -hmm. this kind of replaces any of my need for doing the visual part of it in like those planning stages. But it is super nice. I enjoy the visual portion of Integromat because I have to recreate it in Miro most of the time. Yeah. Well done. Well, thank you, Ben and Scott, for coming on, showcasing your talents and uh, friendly competition. I don't know if I don't know. If we didn't we didn't we didn't get any across the finish line, so maybe this is a to be continued. Uh, to be continued. We stumped the experts. <laughs> I think it shows how much value you get out of paying for consultants because you can't whip it together in ten minutes. That's true. true. That's true. Well, so when a client says, "Can't you just whip that together in ten minutes?" Oh yeah. Watch this episode. <laughs> Very true. Thank you for coming on. Love to have you back on another time. Do another competition. Camille, thank you as always. Mm -hmm. See everyone. This is what we've built on air this week and look forward to next week. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built On Air podcast. <laughs>